Hello, and welcome to my journal, the podcast where I get to speak to you like you're the papers in my diary. Um, <laughs> so let's just hop right into it. I'm currently struggling with addiction. Now, not to heroin or any hard drugs or anything like that. Um, But let's talk about addiction. There are such things as recovering addicts. But there's no such thing as fully recovered. You will never fully recover from an addiction. You can think you are. You can say it in your head. You are fully recovered because you will never do this shit again. It's been weeks, months, years, decades, whatever. It's been so long and you don't even want anything to do with it. You want nothing to do with it. You'll never be around it again. You're done. You're through. Good for you. Keep the positive attitude. That's what's going to help you through it. And that's what's going to continue on that recovery path that never ends. Because let's be honest. After so many years, so many years of being free from this, some people are strong enough when they're offered this substance, this something, to say, no, I'm all set with that. But in their head, there's a part of them that wants it. And that's the addiction. It's still there. It's still there. You will forever be recovering. It is going to be so hard your whole life. You're going to be going through this and you're not going to be able to get away from it because no matter how much you tell yourself you're done, there's a part of your brain that's like, yeah, but that was fun. Do you remember how nice it was to just have it? And it was so much easier. You didn't have to have all the strength to reject it, to push it away, to stay away from it. You could just have it. It was yours. The addiction I'm dealing with is tobacco and alcohol. And um, what adds on top of that is pot. Part of smoking was having the option of tobacco or pot. I'm not one of those people that did both at the same time. I I couldn't do that. I would never do that. Tobacco, I didn't actually truly start. Until a couple months before my grandfather passed from lung cancer. And the stress of losing him just made it worse. I went almost a whole year of smoking before I started going into that routine of quitting. And I'm ready to do this. Let's quit. I was getting that nasty cough and I can't stand that. So let's get away from it. And I was doing so well. And then my husband and I... He got into some nasty fights and I ended up moving out um, just for a couple months. But every time we went to New Hampshire on a vacation, we would buy one pack of cigarettes and we would share it. And that was that was a vacation treat. You know, you get to have it. And then when we got home, we didn't crave it because it was only a couple days that we had it and we were fine. But. God, (laughs) when I moved out, I went to visit a friend in New Hampshire, and as soon as I hit that New Hampshire line, I said, fuck it. 
I quit tobacco for him. I didn't do it for me. I did it because he wanted to. He was unhappy. And I was like, yeah, I could do without this stuff. But it wasn't like, I'm completely done. I'm stopping. This is for me. It wasn't for me. I didn't want to quit. I did and I didn't. I didn't want to quit enough to justify fully quitting. So instead, as soon as I hit that New Hampshire line, I bought a pack of cigarettes. A couple hours later, I bought another pack to prepare because I knew that night I would be going out drinking with my friend because I just, I had felt so trapped in my own home that being out and about made me feel free and free to do whatever I wanted. I wanted tobacco and I wanted alcohol. She smoked too. I wasn't going to be able to stay away from that. So fuck it. Let's do it, right? Between the two of us, we went through, I think like three and a half packs that night. Though I shouldn't say just the two of us. We actually sat out in um, the middle of a town There was this one strip with all the shops, like a cute little village, and we just stayed out on the tables in front of a cafe, and so many people stopped by and said hello. We were out there until almost 3 o'clock in the morning, and people were still all over the streets. It was a college town. And so many people, hey, can I bum one of those off of you? And then we had a couple guys that just stayed there and... They were a little creepy. We actually had uh, one of her old friends from high school, a really big guy, really sweet guy. Um, he he came over and said hello to her, and um, we asked him to stay, and he could tell the vibe from these guys wasn't right. They actually said some things about um, one of them was in jail because he attempted to kill his wife. And now that he's out of jail, he doesn't have access to the kids because he's an attempted murderer. And they were talking about how they would like to take us both out of here where we could be alone. And it's like, dude, no, like I may be moved out, but I'm still married. And that is creepy as shit. Hell no. This guy was in his 40s and his friend was like early 20s, like he was just drinking age. And his friend, the younger one, was all over my friend. And he was all over me. And when he found out my last name was a pretty gangster name, he started talking about all the OGs and how he's related and how he used to be in a mafia-type surrounding. And it was just... It was too much. So her friend stuck around. He walked us to our cars and they actually followed us. And he stayed back with them. And he actually blocked he blocked her license plate. He stood behind the car at the license plate and walked with the car a little bit until she was able to peel out and go. And um, we, we texted him for like a good hour after that just to make sure he got home safe, you know, and they weren't following him because that was like a straight up fucking <laughs> uh, like sex trafficking thing. That was that was creepy. But um, that whole night was drinking, drinking until about midnight. Then we wanted to sober up for for a while. So this way we wouldn't have to drive drunk because we were pretty drunk. So a few hours later, 
we were freezing and pretty sober, so it was easy for us to just just go. But um, that whole night just fed into it. I didn't realize I was addicted to alcohol until recently. When it's an option and you just don't feel like it, it's one thing. But when it's no longer an option, suddenly you really want it. And that's what this feels like. I have not been diagnosed yet. They're still doing tests. But um, there's something going on with my heart. The same thing that's going on with like 40% of the population, according to the American Heart Association, though that isn't in the media. 78% of COVID survivors end up with some sort of permanent heart damage, uh, including heart failure. I think it was like 40% of them passed away, but that's not getting referenced as a COVID death because it's a heart issue and they haven't connected the two together. But the American Heart Association does. Nobody else will. Look up and research. Go to their website and read information on it. It's just, I'm sorry, I had those switched. 40% of COVID survivors end up with heart damage and 78% of those our heart failure. Something like that. I just remember it was 40 and 78. Shit, I got it wrong. Do your own research. Don't listen to me. But I never had COVID that I knew of. Um, I may have had it back in December 2019, which is when it first showed up in New England. And um, I'm in Connecticut. Apparently Rhode Island Mass and Connecticut were one of the first states to get it. Uh, December 2019 and it looks like um, I might have been one of those I had like a, a cough but I wasn't bad I think I had a fever for one day and I just went home and it went away so I think I wasn't asymptomatic but I was pretty darn close <sighs> needless to say I'm having heart issues and I have an echocardiogram that's going to be done this month in a couple weeks that I scheduled over a month ago because they're so far out because everybody's getting them right now. I finished my 30 days with a heart monitor um, and while I was at the doctor, I heard another doctor talking to their patient about getting them a heart monitor as well and setting up their echo. Everybody around me is having heart issues and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's keeping it hush because it's, it's private and you're scared and you don't want people to start treating you different because you're going to, you're going to feel it. You're going to constantly be reminded of it. So here's what's killing me about this is I'm now considered high risk. I had to get a doctor's note to work from home. And my supervisor, I told her that my doctor asked that I work from home and she got pissed and said no. So I handed her the note for my doctor and her face got so red. She got so mad. How dare I work from home? Said, I better send that to HR right now and keep her copied. She's going to go up there and talk to the HR manager right now. And then 
Um, I told her I'd work the rest of the day. And then starting the next day, I was going to work from home. And she said, okay, do that just in case, but we're getting an attorney. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? You're getting an attorney? She's like, well, this isn't a work from home position. Oh, so what are you trying to do? Hubby says that he thinks that they, um, they got an attorney because they wanted to see if they were going to be able to reject the doctor's note, what it could do to them. And either way, my tentative return date was April 1st, is April 1st, and it's only March 4th. And, um, God, my boss is treating me like shit every day. It's like she doesn't believe that I'm working. It's like she doesn't trust me at all, which is ridiculous because I'm getting so much more work done now that I don't have the distractions of the office. My supervisor sat behind me, so every single day it was, Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. Hey, Alyssa. And we had talked about this like last year in a review. Can you please email me instead of yelling over the cube so I can get to it when I get to it and stop interrupting what I'm doing? Because then you just have to stop thinking about whatever spreadsheet or whatever you're working on to listen to that, think about that, and then you have to put yourself back where you were just so 10 minutes later she can do it again. It was so fucking aggravating. So she started doing emails. So then it was, hey, Alyssa, I sent you an email. Hey, Alyssa, I sent you an important email. Hey, Alyssa, this is important, so I figured I'd just tell you instead of sending you an email. Hey, Alyssa, don't forget I sent you an email. Yeah, no shit. Please leave me the fuck alone. Now that I'm working from home, it's an email. Hey, Alyssa, this is what you should do. Hey, Alyssa, this is what you should do. Hey, this is what you should do. Hi, this is what you should do. I know how to do my job. I've only been at this company maybe two months less than her. And she started out in a different department and moved over to this one. And I actually helped train her on some of the duties that we have to do. So the fact that she's trying to tell me how to do things, even though I'm the one that has to show her how to do things, just, it's really aggravating and it's demeaning and I'm taking it as disrespectful. Maybe I'm taking it wrong because of the situation I'm in right now, everything's aggravating, but it doesn't feel right. It feels like micromanaging and it feels like she doesn't trust me to do my job. And if that's the case, then just fire me already because I'm so sick of doing things the right way and then being questioned why I did it that way. And when I have to explain it, oh, okay, I know how to do my job, obviously more than you know how to do my job. So please don't tell me how to do it. Please just leave me the fuck alone and let me do my job. So now I'm working from home. I'm dealing with the extra stress of my supervisor. I'm not allowed to smoke tobacco because of my heart. I'm not allowed to drink alcohol because of my heart. I can't drink pot. <laughs> drink pot. I can't smoke pot because of my heart. Because it's known to increase your heart rate. <laughs> and my, with the heart monitor, my doctor showed me the sheets. And um, you have a small peak, a big peak, and a small peak. Me? 
I have a small peak and halfway back down there's an extra notch. I'll have a notch in the big peak. I'll have a couple notches in the second small peak. I'll have some notches in between. <laughs> and then it's shown on graph paper. Your tallest peak should be so many boxes in between. It should be the same rhythm. Nope, I'd have two or five or three. It'd be completely random every time. My heart's just literally doing whatever it wants. And until they know what's wrong, they can't do anything. And until they don't do anything, I until they do something, I have to be 100% sober. And I can't handle that with the stress right now. I just can't. And no matter how depressed I get, I'll never be a suicidal person. When I was a teenager, I tried being that emo kid, and I was bullied a lot, so I, I tried doing what everyone said, and, you know, hurt yourself. It takes away the emotional pain for a moment, and it didn't. God, it didn't. It didn't do anything for me. It just scared the shit out of me to have to hurt myself. I couldn't do it. Maybe I was a pussy. Maybe I was just smart enough to know that wouldn't actually help me, so why bother? But now here I am, depressed as I can be. I can't have any of my vices to help me feel better. My husband is, of course, stressed just like I am because it's his wife that's going through all this. But I get to watch him smoke every day. I get to watch him drink every weekend and then beginning of the week when he is left over from the weekend. I get to watch all of my friends do whatever they want. And I just get to sit there and watch everyone else drink. Everyone else have fun. And people tell you, you don't, you don't need to drink to have fun. And it's true, you don't. But when everyone else is drinking... And you want to so bad. If you don't want to, it's your, it's your choice not to do it. But if you want to do it and you get to watch everyone else do it, it fucking sucks. It's so hard. And it sucks because I don't know how much longer I can do this. I just found out that I have a cyst in my brain, too, that they're going to have to remove after they figure out what's wrong with my heart. Great. <laughs> it's just constantly good news from my doctor. It's like the only thing good I have going for me is family, which is a big thing. It's an amazing thing. My family's supportive. My family loves me. But it's in such a weird way. My brother loves me, but he's kind of egotistical. He's kind of an asshole. God, some of the shit he said to me, he's... He's currently with a girlfriend who hates me, who's called me a cunt several times, who's talked shit behind my back to my fucking mother and to him. And 
Do you think he's done anything? Do you think he's defended me? I doubt it. Because we were in fights during those times. So why would he defend me? Every time my husband would try to say something about my family, I would get pissed and I'd argue with him. I feel like when he's so mad, he's not going to. He's not going to argue, he's just going to take it. And then she comes to my house to visit me, to visit, you know, everybody came over. It was my dad's birthday and we had it at my house because I can't drive long distances. Um, thanks to my heart and the dizzy spells I've been getting. <laughs> so they came to my house and my dog, she's amazing. She's the best dog I've ever ever dealt with in my entire life. She's the sweetest dog you'll ever meet. She loves everybody. All she wants to do is give you kisses. Doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> she just loves everyone. And she was literally taking turns cuddling with everybody. She just, she would walk on top of you and sit on your chest. Now this is a 35 pound dog, so she's not this like little chihuahua. She's a black mouth cur, if you know what that is. And she would just walk, she'd walk right on you and just plop down in your chest. And she pushes her forehead on your face. She wants you to kiss between her eyes. And she does it with everybody. She just loves everybody. And she went to go sit on my brother's girlfriend's lap. And she just, what does this dog want? She wants fucking love, bitch. What the fuck do you think a dog wants? She's bitchy about it. She's nasty. She kind of pushed her away a little bit. Like, don't be like that. That's like treating my daughter like that. You seriously going to treat my kid like that and get the fuck out of my house? And when she did that, like, we all looked at her with weird faces. And I looked at and my husband was pissed. He was pissed, too. My mom was pissed and she said, fine, come over here and called the dog over so they could cuddle. And from then on, she was just a bitch, nasty attitude, treating my brother like shit. It's like, bitch, why are you here? You don't like me. You don't like my family. You don't like my fucking dog. I don't want you in my house. It's like little things like this that kind of piss me off. And then there gets to a morning like this where I can't, I can't drink, I can't smoke. Can't smoke pot, can't do fucking anything. And God, do I hate it. I'm so miserable. I'm so depressed. And, um, <laughs> I'm currently clocked into work, and I'm just looking at all the things I have to do. I've lost my fight. I've lost my will to push to work. I tried to play Call of Duty this morning and 
because I'm already so angry at everything. Every time this one guy killed me, I got so mad. And usually I don't. Usually I'm fine. Like, it's like, oh, shit, he got me again. Damn, he's good. Like, that's, that's usually how I react. And today, I got so mad. If my dog wasn't in my lap, I probably would have thrown my controller. I've never done anything like that. I just kind of got pushed to the breaking point this morning. And I knew it would take forever to write this in a journal. And I thought, why would I do that when I can make it a podcast and let people hear what I'm going through and understand that you're not the only one. You're not the only one at your breaking point. You're not the only one that just wants to give up right now. Maybe it's a good thing that I just can't hurt myself because... <laughs> I don't think I'd be here today with some of the shit I've had to go through in my life. I don't know how I have made it this far. I'm going to keep pushing because I don't have a choice. If I give up now, my heart will probably just give up. I wouldn't even have to do it to myself. My whole body would just stop. I can't talk to my husband about it because he's so stressed. He's doing so much. He's one of those people that always has this mental list of all the things that need to be done to the house. The cars need to be taken care of. All this stuff needs to be done. And Usually I help him, but I'm not allowed to do anything physical. <laughs> I'm not allowed to have any exertion. Going up and down the stairs, I lose my breath. So I try to help him, hand him his tools, hold the ladder for him, you know, do the things that I can. But he's so stressed from everything. He's so stressed. And if I just tell him that my depression is this bad, I don't think he'll be able to handle that either. I can't just dump that on him. I can't. He knows I'm not doing well. Every time he drinks, every time he smokes, I can't help but stare because I want it so bad and I can't. And I know he feels bad and I feel so sorry for doing it because I know I'm just making it worse, but I wish he would just stop. I wish he would back me up and stop drinking completely that alone would make me feel better pot is fine that levels him out that brings down his anger he's not, he used to be so angry that's why we used to split up so often but he's changed so much and, and even when he has a bad day he just smokes a bowl and he's fine and it's like he didn't it's like he didn't have a bad day at all he's okay now I don't want him to add stress any more than he already has. It's killing me to watch him. 
I feel so alone, and I know I'm not. I know there's people just like me all around the world, and there's plenty of ways to get help, but I don't have the money. Talk space is fucking expensive. I don't know if you ever actually looked at any of those apps, but they're so expensive. And nobody is in my time zone. I'm on the East Coast, everyone's in California. You have this crisis, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, I have this crisis now, I'm not going to hear back for several hours. Do you know what can happen in several hours? What if I was one of those people that was actually suicidal? It only takes 10 minutes, like a couple hours. You can't provide me anyone nearby. And then even when they are clocked in, they're so overwhelmed from everybody's depression each doctor has so many patients, each therapist. So it's still, they'll come on at 11 o'clock my time. I still won't get the answer until 1 o'clock. Okay, so five hours? <laughs> five hours till I get a response? And then even the, even then, it's it's one long message that's just asking me how I feel and and how about this or that. And it doesn't... It's not a full conversation, it's a text message. And if you want a video call, you can get a video call once a month, fucking expensive, or twice a month, outrageous expensive. Do you know how much it costs me to just go to a therapist for an hour? 70 bucks. So much cheaper. I can't drive anywhere. Hubby works hours that he wouldn't be able to drive me anywhere either unless he missed work. So I can go sit in an office for an hour alone and he sits in the car or has to drive home and then wait a half hour and then drive back to pick me up and then drive back to work. Like, <laughs> I can't even go see anyone. doesn't matter how many people respond to this and tell me to keep going and keep pushing and tell me their stories because we're all there for each other we'll all support each other but no matter how many people it is all you need is that one and I still can't get it my insurance doesn't pay for shit. My company gives you three free sessions with a therapist. They don't tell you the sessions are only 20 minutes because they're a half hour, but the therapist lets you talk for about 20 minutes and then, okay, I gotta go back to lunch because it's doing it during their lunch because it's free. So you just get this 20 minute conversation. I've already spent 32 on this. <laughs> I just feel like there isn't an option that I can afford. I just spent $3,000 on a medical bill because I had terrible chest pain. 
just for them to tell me that it was because I was anxious. <laughs> you know what I was doing when it happened? I was at work. And my supervisor bothered me a lot that morning. I wasn't anxious. I was pissed. I was fucking mad. I was furious. I was frustrated. My work put me in the ER. Not the ER, sorry. The walk-in clinic. <laughs> uh, where it took them two hours to tell me to just calm down. My blood pressure was through the roof. I was pretty much at the stroke zone. I probably should have had a stroke, considering how high it was. My heart rate was random. It got up to 180. I was laying in bed, and it shot up to 180. And then it goes down to 40. It does whatever the fuck it wants, because why the fuck not? And all I have to do is sit here sober. Try to get work done. And pretend nothing's wrong. Just let my head go. Just try not to think of everything that's going wrong right now. I'm typically a pretty positive person. I believe in manifestation. I try to be spiritual. I try to connect with things. It's so hard right now. And I can't do it alone. <laughs> I was given a necklace for protection. And on my way to work one morning, it just fell apart. I didn't even notice. When I got to work, it was in two pieces. One was laying on my chest and the other one was in my cup holder. <laughs> I don't know what happened. She said it was, the necklace was protecting me and it did its job. It protected me against a strong force. It was only the third day I wore it. <laughs> Protected me against something so strong that it broke. So I guess I should think about getting another one. It was a heart. And it broke. Things happen for a reason, right? So why did this stone resting on my chest just break into two the beads went everywhere when I realized it was broken and picked it up obviously the string had broken and they just went everywhere it was crazy <laughs> kind of scared me a little bit
Anyways, I guess I'll end the first episode here. First entry here. If you got this far, thank you for listening. And um, I'm sorry it was really depressing. <laughs> I'm sorry if I made anybody cry. And for those of you that just kind of rolled your eyes at me and told me to get over it, I'd love for you to be in my shoes and show me how. Please, show me how. <laughs>